This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Matthew Brennan from ChinaChannel.co on the evolution of the WeChat ecosystem. In the first part of our conversation, we discuss the potential slowdown of WeChat users' growth, advertising, and payments against the other competitors in China. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to recently? Recently, yeah, I've been doing a lot of travel, a lot of workshop around. I, I did a series of workshops in Thailand and also around Europe about WeChat marketing, mostly for SMEs, and it was really good. I am talking to Matthew Brennan, co-founder of ChinaChannel.co, and we have spoken the last time round about WeChat mini programs, and a lot of my audience wanted to get to learn more about the WeChat ecosystem. So. Of course, you are the de facto guy that I'm going to talk to. I want to start off by talking about a presentation that you have recently done in Paris, which is about the WeChat ecosystem. But there are about seven parts of it. I think we we'll probably be able to split this into two episodes. But I'm going to start off with the first part, which is actually to do with the growth and the user numbers. There is a narrative in China about WeChat similar to the US, where tech pundits always declare Apple is doomed. We hear news on whether WeChat is still cool or sluggish. Growth and the end of WeChat marketing. So, what is really going on within the WeChat ecosystem, and what are your thoughts on that? At the presentation, I, I put that at the beginning just to、uh, shock people and wake them up. At the moment, everybody is, you know, talking about WeChat, saying how great it is. The numbers keep going up and up and up, really steadily. That will change soon because WeChat's at a point in China where it's reaching saturation. We all know that. WeChat's big in China. It's not big at outside China, and that's not going to change. When everybody in China who's already an internet user, already a mobile user, the mobile you know, internet in China is about ninety-five percent. Ninety-five percent of internet users in China are mobile internet users, and nearly all of those. Are already using WeChat. Most of them on a daily basis, quite heavily. There's nowhere to go for WeChat numbers. Pretty soon, they have to top out, and I expect that to happen this year. So when that does happen, we will see some articles in the media globally. I think that will be more negative articles saying this: we've got sluggish growth for WeChat. Where does it go now? Is it going to be the same as Line? The user numbers on Line in the last quarter actually went down. So Line's got the same problem. Line has topped out in Japan, and I think it's getting to the same point in、uh, its other key markets: Thailand, Taiwan, places like that. Facebook is not having this problem at the moment. Facebook's numbers are going up quite nicely on all their major platforms. But then Facebook is is a global entity. It's it's much more global than these Asian messaging players. For them, they can still ride this wave of the internet reaching, being reaching millions more people globally every year. They'll be going consistently up for quite some time still. I believe it's going to be a long time before we see、uh, Facebook top out. But for WeChat, it's probably going to happen this year. What are the current user numbers and engagement within WeChat? I know you presented some very interesting statistics about their user behavior. In fact, I think the old demographic is not really tapped out at all in WeChat. Am I right to say so?、Uh, sorry, say that again, Bernard. And I thought that the old demographic, demographic which is people above fifty, right, the market has not topped up yet. Yeah, yeah. So that's the interesting thing, and this leads into an interesting question about the China internet in general. 
which I found the most important and interesting statistic in the last official data report from the WeChat team in December last year was they said only 1% of WeChat users are above the age of 55. So that was an incredible, I, I was shocked when I heard that. We do know that the Chinese population is reported to be something like 1.3 billion. And yet the number of internet users in China is only just you know reached above half of that. So this is huge number of people that are seemingly in China but aren't consuming the internet yet, at least according to these official statistics. And this has got a lot of people, you know, asking, well, where, where are these people and what's going on? And the answer really is, I mean, our team went down to rural areas in China a while back and we interviewed hundreds of people about how they use WeChat. We went down to this very rural town on the Yangtze River I remember it very clearly. And this place is literally a town. It's the smallest type of urban area that you can get in China, anything smaller than that. And you really are in the fields. And in that kind of place, when you get down there, there's a lot of people there, but there's an incredible number of uh, senior people, elderly people. These people just, the phone, they do have phones usually, but the phones they have are not, are not smartphones. They can't use WeChat. Uh, they can't operate WeChat on those phones usually. And so this is why we're seeing this disparity in the numbers here. And so WeChat now in their marketing materials in, within China recently have had quite a big push to discuss the use of WeChat as a family within the family context and especially focusing on seniors and the, the older generations and the benefits that they can receive through using WeChat. This is unsurprising because Really, you know, that's the only travel avenue of growth that WeChat has left is to target those people. There's no one left that they can realistically target inside China. I think you just mentioned about how WeChat is compared to Line, which is actually starting to have its user numbers uh, tapped out. And then how it's also compared to Facebook, for example, Instagram and WhatsApp. One thing I'm mystified or maybe... It, that intrigues me. So when on the day when I first turned on WeChat in Singapore, because it was used to communicate with my friends in China, I realized that half my address book, which is people who I know in Europe, in Silicon Valley, in other parts of the world, half of them all turned on WeChat, that they are already on WeChat. So there's actually a reverse acquisition of customers ongoing with WeChat from the rest of the world into China. Do you see that that number may not be fully tapped out because there's this kind of what I call intrinsic viralness for people from the outside world who wants to communicate with people in China? Yeah, sure. We can definitely say that there's approximately, you know, some, the high estimates are 100 million. The low estimates are about 70 million WeChat users outside China. Now, Tencent does not break down their numbers in terms of country by country or Weixin versus WeChat directly in any of their reports. So we don't know we, all we've got is estimates. We can definitely say that ethnic Chinese people, Han people outside of China are all using WeChat and they're using that to communicate with people, with family back home. And we can also say that anyone who's doing business with China, which is a number that's definitely increasing year on year, those people will be using WeChat as well. Here lies my other question then. How's WeChat compared to the rest of China's top 100 apps then? Yeah, that's interesting. When we look at the numbers, WeChat is by far and away the number one app, uh, number two being QQ. The numbers on QQ are, are not that bad. It's about two thirds, I would say, uh, roughly speaking, of the numbers of WeChat. Uh, we've got some statistics in the report on one of the slides there. The numbers are from January and they've estimated monthly active users on QQ put at 580 million. And then below that are the next two, which are Taobao and Alipay. 
So the top four apps in China are pretty much always those four. And that doesn't change much. Number three is definitely going to be Alipay now. That's got a lot more traction in the last year. And so we've got this fight between Tencent and Alibaba on the phone where Tencent's got the WeChat and QQ, which are number one, number two. And then Jack Ma and his team own Alipay and they own Taobao, which is number three and four. And those are typically the apps that in, in tier one, everybody will have on their phone. It'd be quite strange to find someone who didn't have those apps on their phone. After those four, you have a long tail of a very, very long tail of, of apps that have about somewhere in the region, the high from about 200. It starts at about 250, 250 million, and it starts goes slowly down. But this long tail of apps, there's not much difference in the user numbers, to be honest. And those ones frequently change sequence and order in terms of like the top five, top, top seven, top 10, top 20. Those will shift around a lot. A lot of those are sort of video apps, things like Tencent Video, ITE. Other ones would be, you know, Search, Browser, QQ Browser, Baidu Search, uh, things like that. Some music applications, uh, Weibo would be in there as well, which is, you know, Chinese Twitter, things like that. One thing I liked about that report that you have presented is about the daily schedule of an engaged WeChat user. How much time does a Chinese user actually spend time on WeChat versus mobile in China? And what's the daily schedule for a WeChat user like? Yeah, it's very interesting. So in the last year, there was one of the big statistics that came out, which was an estimation. It was put in the Mary Mika report, actually, was that in China, 35% of all time on mobile is in WeChat. So that's incredible. That, that's, that's a mind-blowing statistic. But when you break it down and look at the daily schedule for an engaged WeChat user, which the WeChat team released in one of their reports, and I can tell you this is definitely accurate. I, whenever I, I, I do a, a training or a workshop and I bring this slide out and, and talk about it, Chinese people always agree with it. They, they always laugh at it as well. The average engaged WeChat user, the first thing that they do when they wake up is check WeChat. And the last thing they do when they go to bed is check WeChat. And then during the day, they're checking WeChat about 30, 40 times a day is a typical situation. And in fact, uh, WeChat released a series of short videos. They're just putting them out. They put out one today. Uh, there's one coming out tomorrow. And uh, they're very interesting. They're five little minute videos. And what they're doing is this little experiment where they ask people to turn off WeChat for 12 hours. And then they, they video their experience and they've got, you know, different members of society, uh, young people, old people. They've even got a foreigner in there who lives in, in China as well. And uh, it's really interesting to see the reaction of these people. Some of them are very distraught when they don't have WeChat just for 12 hours. Their, their life stops. They, they can't work. They feel very anxious. It really, really is affecting their lives. They can use their phone for anything else. They just have to log out of WeChat. That's all they have to do. And it just goes to show how this app, which has only been around for six years, has completely transformed life in China. And uh, people are, uh, it's, no, it's no exaggeration to say people are addicted to it. And uh, a lot of people uh, are now, there is a little bit of a backlash, I think, starting to appear. And that's perhaps why WeChat is addressing this and putting out stuff about it now, is that people are, are saying, you know, this thing is really, uh, well, mobile phones and WeChat, which is the, is the poster child for mobile apps in China, are really taking over people's lives. And, and we need to, uh, you know, think about the implications of that. In the upcoming next few months, what are the key things to watch out for WeChat with regards to, say, user numbers and growth then? Overall, I'd say we can expect numbers to top out. I would guess 
by the end of the year start this there'll be a big slowdown in in the in the rise of user numbers in terms of the engagement on the app i think that's not going to change it might increase slightly we could possibly see a rise from about 35 percent to perhaps 40 percent something like that but i don't really see it I, I think it might just stay stable i don't see a big change in that statistic having said that you know over 2016 the time spent in wechat grew roughly from 25 to 35 percent so it is quite possible that it could that will continue to grow but it's already an extremely large piece of the pie i think it would be ambitious for us to think that it's going to grow even further at that kind of steady rate of 10 percent a year i don't think that's sustainable but maybe i'll be proved wrong who knows we shall see that comes to the second part of this conversation which is about wechat advertising i have used moments quite often with my wechat app but i don't see the ads because i don't live in china so i want to ask you what's the current state of WeChat advertising in China. Right. For WeChat advertising, you know, for companies that want to advertise on WeChat, a lot of them are doing it through uh, KOLs. They're doing it through what we call key opinion leader accounts. This is nothing to do with Tencent. This is just small accounts or smaller accounts leveraging large accounts and advertising direct on, on their articles usually. But what we're looking at in the report is uh, Tencent advertising, paid advertisement where we're paying Tencent to get traffic. And usually the preferred way to do that is through moments and the moments news feed in WeChat. When we compare that to Facebook, the ad inventory, the, the load on moments is very small. I put some estimates in the report there and they're just estimates, but you can see it's less than one advert per day is what the average WeChat user is is receiving in terms of ad inventory on the Moments newsfeed. When you look and compare that to Facebook, uh, globally, the numbers are much, much higher. You're looking at roughly globally closer to 10. In North America, it's over 20. In Asia, it's, it's, uh, it's above 12. So uh, there's a long, lot, lot of room to grow if they want to grow and become more like Facebook. I don't think they do. I don't think they will ever get to that high. I think they care about the user experience far too much. But definitely in the earnings calls, you, when they are quizzed about this, because this is one of the top questions that will come up from investors every time. When are you going to milk the cow? When are you going to get more ad inventory on moments? Because that will have you know a, a big impact on, on, their, on their revenue in this area. Uh, and the answer is yes, we, w- we will do it, but we want to do it in the right way. We want to do it in a, in a sort of slower way that allows people to, in, in a way that can hopefully add more value to people. Let me give you an example. You know, when Moments Advertising started on WeChat, it was only for big brands. So it was the first wave of advertisements on on WeChat were talked about a lot in China. And the adverts you see on Moments are dictated by the information they have, the big data they have in the background. So some people will see some adverts and some people will see others. And it it was quite funny. You'd actually see people complaining that they didn't see an advert. They'd be like, oh, you know, where's the Apple advert? Come on, like, don't they think I've got enough disposable income to buy their products? You know, I'm getting this head and shoulders advert. What's going on? Come on. You know, people were were quite aware of of the prestige of that was associated with getting these adverts for luxury brands, for things like BMW, Mercedes and things like that. And that's because WeChat has been so careful with not with with the experience there. Uh, If they've just opened up a a large amount of inventory and uh, made moments advertisements very, very commonplace in the same way it is in Facebook, I don't think you'd have that same effect psychologically. So you think that they're actually going for high-end aspirational type advertising as compared to a ad inventory or programmatic ad network kind of approach, like what Facebook is doing? 
Yeah, I mean, they have been. Having said that, they are opening up the options now for smaller businesses. And it's very clear that the drive now is to increase the number of people using Moments Advertising, the number of entities using that. In November last year, they opened up uh, what they called local ads, which are targeted geographically. So only people within a certain region that you target will see those adverts, a small little business district. Those are proving very popular. They're very affordable. Those are definitely not so prestigious. They're, they're more uh, performance performance advertising for businesses that are looking very closely on the RRI. They're not brand advertisements at all. It's nothing to do with branding. It's like getting return on that investment. And those are going well. And I do believe that this year, one of the trends we're definitely going to see is more options opening up in moments advertising. I know for internationally, there will be more options opening up as well. In your report, you mentioned about some new advertising products within WeChat, for example, moment ads going full screen, coupons and virtual gifting. Where do you think these new products stand and how would they help to grow WeChat's revenue? Yeah, so these are just examples of the new options that are coming up. You know, month by month, new things are opening up. The coupons one has been around for a while, but the membership cards one is definitely new. That's just an example of how WeChat wants to lock in these brands into their ecosystem, but do it in a way that provides value. So if they can put an advert in your newsfeed and from one click, bring you to a screen where you can add a membership card, then for the brand, that's got massive value. And that's what they did with Gap recently. One click from the moments, you're, you're up to a page where you can, you, where your information's pre-filled in and you just have to second click and now you've got their membership card, which goes into the card pack. From there, hopefully you'll be using that on a regular basis. Another example was the Starbucks campaign, which was really, really famous. That got massive uh, coverage globally, actually. It's the first time ever that an international brand was featured in the Chinese version of the WeChat wallet. Starbucks has a, a, a long history of uh, cooperation with WeChat. They were, they were actually the first major international brand to open an official account. In that, they, they, it was a, a, co a coffee gifting campaign where you could literally buy a coffee for your friend and send it to them exactly the same as lucky money so very innovative you know WeChat's done a couple of things like that recently they've got the coffee gifting from starbucks they've also had this gold gifting feature where you can send gold literally buy gold through the platform and have a virtual amount of gold and send that to your friends and these kind of gifting features and sending not just money through WeChat, but, you know, coffee or, or gold or, you know, other, other kind of gifts or objects is a really, really interesting concept, actually. I think there's going to be more of this. The WeChat team said directly that that cooperation with Starbucks is the first and there will be others in the future using that same method of having the button in the WeChat wallet directly in order to do some promotion. That's something that's completely new and we can expect to see you know, more of this stuff in 2017 for sure. So from advertising and go to WeChat Pay, how is WeChat Pay growing and what are the key drivers for their payments? For example, e-commerce. Yeah, WeChat Pay is doing really well, I think. We don't have any numbers directly from Tencent. In their financial reports, they list the revenue that they receive from WeChat Pay is put under other revenue. And in other revenue, also there's things like cloud, the cloud services from Tencent Cloud. So the revenue from that is also put in there. However, we know from what they've said that the lion's share of other revenue is coming from WeChat Pay. If you look at the numbers on other revenue, it has skyrocketed in the past five quarters. It's at something like 500,000 million renminbi now that's coming in the last, in Q3. They're going to release some new numbers in, in a couple of days, actually. So that shows you if that number's going up and the lion's share of 
that is from WeChat Pay, we can be very sure that the number of transactions that are running through WeChat is increasing, is really, really increasing quite fast right now. And when we look at the estimates from third-party sources like iResearch, we can see that in the report that I put back from 2014, the estimated market share for third-party mobile payments in, in China, Tenpei was at 10%. Then that grew to about 20% in 2015. And 2016, it was at 38%, with Alipay being at 50%. So it's very possible that in 2017, that we could see near equal market share between Tenpei, which is WeChat Pay plus QQ Wallet, and Alipay. And that's an incredible trend. That is unbelievable. If you'd said that three, four years ago, people would have thought you were crazy to say something like that. And what, what's happened is that lucky money has been the key that has unlocked this whole trend of people being comfortable making payments on WeChat. So this phenomenon of lucky money gifting on WeChat, I cannot express strongly enough how important that was for the platform. It's really a game changer for the whole payments, the whole mobile payments market in China. You have gave the effects of Alipay. So what can Alipay do in order to fight back? Or is this trend is just going to go on because Tencent owns social with QQ and WeChat? For listeners outside of uh, China, you're definitely going to see Alipay logos pop up in places where there are Chinese tourists before you see WeChat Pay logos. They are definitely ahead in terms of the internationalization game. That's a big trend for 2017. But what we have now in China is a very interesting situation where we have WeChat, which is the number one social app, and it's really done a great job on transitioning into a payments platform as well. And then we have Alipay, which is the market-leading payments platform for mobile, and that's trying desperately now to become a social application as well. And so they're running campaign after campaign, running out new social features. Some of them are doing quite well, actually. Some of them are getting buzzed. But overall, it's a really difficult dream that they have to become a social app. People have the habit ingrained of using Tencent products, QQ, WeChat for those features, and they don't really need Alipay. It has no clear advantage for them to be using that. So they're, they're very much an uphill battle. And I would say it's something that they're really not succeeding at yet. Although they are putting massive resources into it, they realize that becoming a social application in the same way as WeChat is something that if they can manage to achieve it, will help stall the gains that WeChat is making into their area because they have to be looking at this and they have to be quite worried actually that the position they're in now is is not as secure as it was a couple of years ago. One question I have is this. So currently Tencent's main revenues are actually driving through microtransactions that gone through WeChat Pay. Is that the same reason that why they have not been trying to turn on the tap for the advertising revenue? Exactly. The big players for payments. I think it's almost that Tencent rather higher management feels that going for the advertising bucks in the same way that Facebook does by monetizing their newsfeed is the small money. That will actually in the long term drive users away from the platform. Nobody likes advertisement. Tencent is a service company. They have service in their blood. That's how they make their money. If you look at their financials, they make their money from consumers, from users. They make very relatively little money from directly from businesses. They'd rather set up an ecosystem where they can provide value to users through having payment integrated into the platform and get people comfortable using that. And then the benefits later on from e-commerce, from having that, hopefully the market lead, eventually the market leading payments platform in China will be immense. But in the short term, they have to, you know, 
take the hit almost in terms of not overly monetizing the advertising and the newsfeed and keeping that experience clean and user friendly. So Matthew, this is pretty interesting, but I know we are going to continue this conversation in the second part of our conversation on the WeChat ecosystem. We will get back in a short while. Great, looking forward to it.